G'day everyone, it's Greg Ryan here and welcome to episode 20 of Rare and Resilient 1 in 5000 podcast and today we're joined by Cassandra from Florida who is the mother of 22 month old Malachi who was born with imperfect anus and erectile malformation without a fistula and as well was born with Down syndrome and for kids born with that condition without the fistula, 95% of the children are born with Down syndrome, and that equates to 5% of ARM patients. So, hi, Cassandra, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you. It's great to have you, and I'll get you to read your story, which is story number 20 in the book, page 33. So, go ahead. All right. A little boy with a little extra and no anus. As a young military couple that had no idea if conception was possible due to my health challenges, the idea of starting a family seemed daunting. In August of 2017, our prayers were answered and we became pregnant with our first child. Lillian was born May 8, 2018. Life was very easy early on as we enjoyed life with Lily and we wanted to give her a sibling as soon as possible. In June of 2019, we found out we were yet again pregnant. Another answered prayer. Our family moved back to Florida from Virginia in August of 2019. Our pregnancy was relatively easy, although high risk. There were many ultrasounds and growth checks, but the only thing discovered was IUGR, intrauterine growth restriction. The decision was made to deliver our Team Green baby at 37 weeks. On January 16, 2020, our Team Green baby turned Team Blue and Malachi Ryan was born, weighing four pounds, 15 ounces, and 19 inches long. The first thing noticed during his newborn exam was the absence of an anus. The nurse brought over my tiny baby, showed me his bottom where a gathering of skin was, and stated, your son has no anus, but it's okay. It's an easy fix. I had never heard of a baby being born without an anus, but all I wanted was to hold my sweet boy. He was not allowed to nurse right away as we had planned, and I held him for only a few minutes before he was taken away. He was then transported via incubator to the local children's hospital to stay in the NICU and have his colostomy surgery. At one day old, a colostomy was placed on Malachi's stomach for use until he grew and an anus could be created. Genetic testing was done to see if Malachi had any other related genetic conditions. He spent time in the NICU recovering from surgery, growing stronger, learning to eat from a bottle, and overcoming bradycardia. I did a lot of research during these long NICU days about imperforate anus and learned as much as I could. It seemed like a complex condition that the nurse boiled down to being no big deal and an easy fix. But I was learning that this condition, although fixable, was lifelong and bowel management, once surgeries were over, was forever. At 10 days old in the NICU, he finally received his genetic testing. This testing confirmed our little boy was extraordinary and has trisomy 21, Down syndrome. This diagnosis came as a huge surprise because we saw no soft markers in utero. So at this point, it was determined that the IA and perforate anus was either the rare 3% of kids with Down syndrome who have IA or in fact, Vassertal. At 14 days, we were released from the NICU and our reality with two children under two years old, one with special needs began. I am able to stay home right now and I am so thankful for that. Bag changes were plentiful every couple of hours to be exact. It was so hard to get something to stick to Malachi's skin in between his fistula and stoma, which was a very small area. 
Trial and error with bags, paste, wafers, powder, and spray began. We finally found a system at four months old that lasted for three-ish days. Big sister Lillian enjoyed helping with Malachi's boo-boo. She also likes to help with his poopy and do all the things to assist him and me. As Malachi grew and as a family, we learned more about IA and Down syndrome. We began to really think where we wanted to have his future surgeries done. Locally, we did not have a colorectal center, only a general surgeon who was going to do everything. But from my personal research, we made the decision to find a specialized colorectal center to treat Malachi's IA and follow him long-term. This to us would give him the best outcome and chance to have long-term continence. We began physical therapy, feeding therapy, and seeing all the specialists that come with Down syndrome. Malachi has two congenital heart defects that do not need surgery right now. In May, the decision to travel to Ohio to a colorectal center was made. I began contacting all the necessary people and determining when we would need to travel for his PSAR. The COVID-19 pandemic complicated things a little and caused surgery to be pushed back a bit. But overall, things worked out and the colorectal center at Cincinnati Children's Hospital in Ohio was very easy to work with, even though it was long distance. Dr. Aaron Garrison was assigned to Malachi's case, and I could not have asked for a better doctor and surgeon. In early July, Grandma Tina, my mother, Malachi, and I traveled to Cincinnati for procedures and PSARC. A fistulogram was done first to determine the level of his IA and whether he had a fistula or not. It was determined his colon was 3.3 centimeters from the placement of the rectal opening and that he has no fistula. The absence of a fistula is rare, but more common in kids with Down syndrome. We met with Dr. Garrison and discussed the surgery. Malachi then had his PSARP and it went very well. He recovered very quickly with minimal pain. We traveled back home to Florida with no issues. October arrived very quickly and we found ourselves on the long distance drive back to Cincinnati from Florida again. This time it was for a colostomy closure and reconnection surgery. No bag, what will that look like? Poopy diapers will take some getting used to and be celebrated. We arrived in Cincinnati and were grateful for the cooler temperatures. Malachi had a few procedures the day before surgery, including neurodynamics and an MRI of his spine. The neurodynamics showed no bladder problems and the MRI showed no tethered cord. We were so thankful and sang praises for this amazing news. Malachi was admitted to the hospital for clean out and the surgery anxiety set in. I was so excited to get him hooked up correctly, but nervous because any surgery is risky. On October 14, 2020, Malachi had his big surgery. It went well, but his recovery was a little rougher than last time. He was in a lot of pain and very out of it due to the pain medications. The day after surgery was hard for both of us. He began to poop on October 15th. It was a joyful sight and a day we will celebrate forever. By October 16th, Malachi was back to his smiley, happy, loving little self. All the nurses were in awe of him and wanted to snuggle him. Grandma also got Malachi to start saying mama while we were in the hospital, which was amazing to hear. We stayed for a few days in the hospital as a precaution and to wait to see the surgeon the following Monday. Dr. Garrison gave us the okay to head out and then head home at the end of the week. Malachi had a pretty severe diaper rash, which we were warned about, but we were able to keep him comfortable with a variety of creams. The trip back to Florida was easy and uneventful. As I write this, this has been two weeks since surgery and he is doing amazingly. If you did not know Malachi was born without an anus and had a colostomy bag for nine months, you would never be able to guess. Malachi poops about five times a day and seems to be in no pain. We are so grateful for the advances in medical procedures and treatments and the PSARP surgery that saved his life. Now we can focus on intense therapies to get him sitting up, crawling, and then walking. 
We are also anxiously awaiting a Baja hearing device and cannot wait to see how Malachi responds to the new sounds he'll be able to hear. We know our IA journey does not end here. He will need lifelong follow-up and most likely bowel management, but we will continue to take everything day by day. We will keep smiling, leaning on each other, having fun, and enjoying all the little things in life. Our family is so excited about our journey together. We will continue to raise awareness for IA and advocate for the Down syndrome community. We will also continue to celebrate poop and toots. Thank you for reading our story, and I hope Malachi's strength, happiness, smiles, and story helps you, inspires you, and gives you hope. Thanks very much, Cassandra. That was lovely. How was it reading it back now? It's nearly 12 months ago since you wrote it. Yeah, almost to the day, actually, because we were just talking about that the other day, that it had been exactly a year since his surgery. So a lot, a lot has changed and a lot hasn't changed. Let's first talk about how things have changed and what, what Malachi's had. Has he had any further surgery since? And how did that hearing test go? And what's the update? Yeah, so originally we said in the story that Malachi was not going to need heart surgery. Um, he ended up needing heart surgery shortly thereafter he had his um, reconnection surgery to place an occluder device to close the PDA he was born with um, that had not closed yet on its own. And so we did that to help him start gaining weight and lessen his cardiac symptoms. And that went amazingly and his cardiac symptoms are basically gone since then. He still has two other cardiac conditions that we do not anticipate surgery in the long run. And if so, it will be hopefully when he's way older. We did get his hearing aid. He has a Baja hearing device, which is, it's made by Cochlear. It completely bypasses his right ear. He's completely deaf in his right ear. So it transmits the sound on the bone to the left ear. Right now, we haven't been able to do a hearing test with it on because he's so little and hearing tests are hard to do. But as far as we can tell at home and his vocabulary wise, it seems to really be helping and he seems to be a lot more aware when he's wearing it and able to hear more, which is great. We've gotten both of those. He had another surgery in March for something called laryngomalacia, floppy larynx, basically. It was contributing to his severe sleep apnea and feeding problems. So we decided to go ahead and um, go through with surgery for that, as well as removing his adenoids. And so that surgery was a success. But unfortunately, post-surgery, he had worse feeding problems and began to aspirate liquids. So we had to take a pause from liquids for, oh, about six months. And he ended up getting a, a feeding G-tube right around Easter of this year. And he's been using that for his liquid sense, which weight wise, he really is thriving now, which we are very grateful for. And we just got approval about two weeks ago to start liquids by mouth again. So we just figure that he needed time to heal from that surgery. So after about six months, his throat, his larynx, his esophagus um, was healed properly to put that liquid down the esophagus and not the windpipe. So we're really pushing food and liquids now, but very, very thankful for the feeding tube, although at first very apprehensive, but it has done amazing for him and he really is growing and getting a lot bigger with it. So it, it really has been a blessing. So was Malachi um, diagnosed with esophageal atresia when he was born as part of Vectal? 
No, he was not. They just said laryngomalacia. And I think that has a lot to do with the low muscle tone and the Down syndrome. Right. So that that's kind of what they go with for that. And how's he going with his bowels? What's the what's your bowel management program you're on? And I'm I'm so glad you mentioned Aaron Garrison. He's a wonderful man. I've been fortunate to meet him a couple of times in some conferences, and yeah, he's just a great person. Yeah, he was he was really amazing and kind and very very caring, but very straightforward. Kind of laid it all out there and even from a long distance, willing to make it work and willing to limit our trips as much as possible and do a lot over the phone and virtually, which has been amazing. So we started with this liquid Senna pretty much right after surgery, I want to say within two weeks of surgery. Um, And we were giving that every day, about five milliliters at first, we were giving it every day. And then let's see, that's when he was eating food. So we were having some more, like a lot of food, a lot of more solids. And we noticed that he was having a few more bowel problems. So we upped the dosage a bit and then he was doing good. Really. Uh, we got, we got x-rays and they looked great. We ended up going back and seeing Dr. Garrison this summer and seeing the team there. And they were very pleased with how everything was going. The thing that has been a little different is since getting the G-tube, because he's getting basically the milk, which is all he was really getting for a while, a special Pediasure with already broken down proteins, we ended up halting back on the Senna kind of on our own, on our own will, basically kind of at our own judgment, just because those G-tube feedings are so much different than eating solids orally. And he was having way too many bowels a day. So we halted back on that. And right now we're only doing it about every two to three days, seven milliliters of the liquid Senna. And it seems to be working great. He's not having bowel movements all day long, which we did not want a couple good ones a day. And maybe we realize one day, okay, he needs, this is too hard. So it is really just a, it's kind of a game still, but as he gets more, I think a more solid diet, more routine diet off the feeding tube, which is the ultimate goal. I think we'll have a little more routine with the um, bowel management, but right now it's kind of just look and see, and it's still a little tough. A bit like trial and error, I suppose. Yeah. And I think, I think it will be until, yeah, like I said, he has like the solid, like three meals a day and some, a couple snacks. So right now it's, it's still mainly that liquid Pediasure, which can quite often come out just like liquid. (laughs) So you mentioned that hopefully he will have the G tube removed soon. When do you you anticipate that will happen? So basically we're really pushing, let's see, purees right now. We're still working on solids, but liquids is what we really need to master. Feeding and drinking with Down syndrome in general can be tricky with the lower muscle tone in the mouth and the oral aversions and the protrusion of the tongue and the larger tongue. So mouth head doesn't have an oral aversion, which we are very thankful for, but he has forgotten kind of how to drink, not drinking for six months. He doesn't really remember how he prefers an open cup, which can be very fun and very messy. So we're really pushing that. But right now I don't see it in the near future, maybe a year from now, we just really got to get the liquids down to make sure he's getting basically the amount of calories he needs a day 
we're up to about 2000 calories a day, which is kind of crazy, but, um, that's where we had to get him to get him to gain any weight. Have you connected with many other parents of Down syndrome IA kids to see how they cope and whether they've had similar experiences? Yeah, so I have not many. They're much older. Um, there's one family that I've connected with and their son's about three or four now. But the other families, off the top of my head, I know of four of them have kids younger than Malachi with IA and Down syndrome. And one actually just reached out to me the other day. She's really struggling with um, bowel management and some other issues with her son, who's about the same age as Malachi. So there is a community, but I haven't met many that are older. Oh, okay. And if if any families are listening to this podcast who have uh, children with Down syndrome and IA, would you be willing to have a chat to them and give them help them share your experiences because you're very knowledgeable on what you've had to deal with? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I have um, steered a couple people in the direction of like obviously a colorectal specialist, specifically one family here locally whose son um, was not born with Down syndrome but was born with IA and some other related conditions and a mutual friend connected us. And I kind of informed them about seeing a colorectal specialist and what places to look into and what to steer away from. And cause I was very grateful for that information when I had Malachi, because honestly, if you don't connect with those people and find that information, then you do risk it being done by a general surgeon and not, not saying that all general surgeons can't do it correctly, but that team is what's important. I find that entire bowel management team to be important to reach out to because our pediatrician's amazing. He's a great guy, but he doesn't know all of this stuff related to IA. It's completely different than your average constipation issue or bowel issue. And I think all too many times that things like just Miralax or different laxatives or this or that are thrown at these kids thinking that it's just a constipation issue when it's more of a motility issue and a long-term issue, really. Yeah, that's that's very important. The multidisciplinary centers have definitely changed the lives of so many IA kids and their families. How did your family and friends react uh, when they read your story in the book? Because I'd imagine they'd be familiar with parts of it, but are not totally familiar with the IA part of it, I'd imagine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even, even after Malachi was born and telling people like, oh yeah, people know what Down syndrome is. People know what heart conditions are, but people don't know that you can be born without an anus. I mean, even, even speaking to people now or pointing people towards the book and realizing there's all these other people and kids and grownups and that have these conditions that honestly, you probably wouldn't really know. And I think it just takes a lot of people back. Like, you know, you can be born without limbs, you know, you, you know, but without an anus, you're, you really scratch your head and you're like, really, that's possible. I really take a extra special interest in the, the kids born with Down syndrome, because as I said earlier, 95% of kids born without a fistula are born with a um, with Down syndrome and I'm in the other five percent where I was born without a fistula as well so uh, as you can imagine I it really it means extra to me to see these kids thrive and how they're going and so tell us 
how does your your daughter and Malachi interact? And sounds like they've got a wonderful relationship by the way you were reading in the story. Yeah, yeah. So our daughter was very young when Malachi was born. I want to say 20 months old. So very young and missed a few weeks of his life while he was in the NICU. And then upon bringing him home, she's very inquisitive to everything that was going on. Very helpful, even from a young age. But now they are just obsessed with each other. I mean, he yanks her hair out and she gets mad. But I mean, who does what siblings don't do that? But the second he looks at her, his face lights up and uh, she loves to tickle him. He's so ticklish and they're just, they're really best friends. But, and it's funny because he's, as we said in the book, we were looking forward to him sitting up, which he is doing on his own and then walking and crawling, which we're working hard on still. But anytime he gets on his hands and knees in the crawling position, she cheers him on and makes sure I'm looking and paying attention that um, he's trying and she gets so excited. And right now her motto is, I'm a good big sister. I'm a good girl. I'm going to teach Malachi how to listen. So we remind her of that when she's not listening, that she's got to teach brother how to listen. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, I noticed in a couple of the photos, he wears glasses. He so does. What's the story behind that? Yeah. So he had a vision exam before he was a year old, which is pretty typical with kids with Down syndrome. You got to check off this list of doctor appointments just to make sure all these things that can happen, if they're happening, you're, you're on the ball with it. And if they're not, they're on the back burner. So vision was really on the back burner. And then I want to say about three months ago, I noticed he was holding objects and books very close to his face. And at first I thought it could be a sensory thing. He likes to see stuff up close He's just being a baby, like it was tough to, to really nail down. So I was like, oh, we'll make an, point, an eye appointment. We'll do, we'll get a vision checkup. Took him in totally not expecting really to need glasses or need any intervention for them to just say, oh, he's being a baby. But come to find out he is very farsighted. So the eye doctor kind of put it up to us about glasses just because kids with Down syndrome tend to have sensory issues and any 20, let's see, he was... Shoot, he was 18 months when we got the glasses. It's been a couple months now. And what 18-month-old really keeps them on all day, you know? Is it yes. is it worth the fight to keep them on? And I decided, what do we got to lose? Let's try it. So upon getting the glasses, A, I did not realize how blind he really is because those things are very magnified. And B, he keeps them on amazing, I think, because he can see now. So that's been really good. I mean... Within a week of getting them, he was looking at toys that he's had since he was a baby, like they were brand new. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, yeah, one of the reasons we had you on this podcast is because October is Down Syndrome Awareness Month, and I know you've been very active in the, the community, especially over the, this month. Tell me some of the activities that you and your family have been involved in. Correct. Yes. October is Down Syndrome Awareness Month. And it's been amazing really to see the support and to see the knowledge and the facts. So every day I share a fact on my Facebook page publicly for friends to share. And a lot of the facts, honestly, people just don't know. And so it's great to just get that awareness out there in a simple, easy way uh, with just some little graphics and some knowledge. So I share those every day. And then on my Instagram, I've been doing a little more personal posts, sharing some pictures and then a specific, uh, I want to say scenario snapshot into our life. For example, one was diagnosis day. 
which honestly for me, I had never typed out. I mean, I wrote this story, but that was more specific to the IA. I had never really typed out our uh, diagnosis day story, which I didn't think was as significant as it was to me and mentally and emotionally. And so that was really actually awesome to type out. And I had a few people reach out to me after they read that um, on my Instagram and they were like, wow, our stories are similar or I remember being there. And so that's just been really great to just connect with new people um, that are in the community and meet new people. Our city also, the city of Jacksonville in Florida, one of our big bridges downtown, we have, oh, I want to say seven pretty big bridges in our city. And one of the big bridges, they um, they lit it up yellow and blue for downtown awareness. And we live in really the largest city by land um, volume in the United States. And so that was pretty awesome to see that our big city is getting behind the movement. On Saturday, we just had the 19th annual Down Syndrome Association Buddy Walk. It was back at our Jacksonville Beach this year. We raised over $300,000 as an organization this year, which actually shattered records from previous years. And our association is actually um, the most active and basically involved organization in the United States. That's wonderful. Now, would you like to share the story you wrote about Diagnosis Day? That'd be wonderful. Sure. Yeah. Let me, let me pull it up and I can share that. So I shared this on my Instagram on October 2nd, Diagnosis Day. This day started out like any other day in the NICU. We were in the step-up unit where I could room in and participate in all of his care, which was amazing. It was 10 days post-birth. Knowing the standard genetic testing they did at two days old due to his imperforate anus should be back in seven to 10 days. I inquired with the doctor about the testing. I was in the middle of my independent colostomy bag changing training with our amazing wound care nurse when the doctor walked in, hung his head down and handed me a paper. He said, there are still options and we will have genetics consult you. Inside, I knew his traits began to grow as he grew and I knew something was different. But I'll be honest, I hadn't discussed these suspicions with anyone besides my mom in secret. Since I began noticing traits and Googling them, not one single doctor for 10 days mentioned Down syndrome or any suspicions. Once I was alone in the room, I'll be honest, I cried. I was angry, sad, emotional, fearful, and so much more. I called my mom and said, we were right. He has Down syndrome. As I sobbed, Ryan, my husband, was at work. I called and said, after work, meet me at the hospital for a genetics appointment. He asked questions, but I simply didn't answer. Now the plan had always been have our own kids, neurotypical, of course, and then adopt a child with special needs because I knew my heart for kids with disabilities and God knew, but I never would have imagined he would give me my own special needs child. God sure does know what he's doing. I have never questioned that once, although I did question What did I do wrong? Was this my fault? Why didn't we catch this prenatally? Was it from my medication? And so much more. To include selfishly, what will our future look like? How will this change our lives? And I don't think I can do it. Overall, so many emotions, so many questions, so many what ifs, and so much worry, which now, 20 months into it, I know all was in vain. Sure, things have been very tough at times, but Malachi is a blessing, a surprise, Happy, joyful, strong, and a loving blessing. That's wonderful. 
Oh, I reckon that was a little bit more emotional for you just reading that by looking at your face when you're reading it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, when I when I typed it up the other day, the second day of October for Down Syndrome Awareness Month, I didn't, I'd never written it out before. And I didn't, I don't even think I've ever really processed it before because I hadn't really needed to. So just the most impactful thing I would say, and the most impactful thing that my friends have said or questioned on Facebook or Instagram was when the doctor said, you still have options. And to this day, that hurts. Because I mean, he's, he's 10 days old. What, what options do I have? He's my son. Just because his chromosomes are different doesn't mean we don't want him. We're not going to treat him any differently. So to this day, I, I would say those words hurt. And um, that's one reason why I really, really advocate for these kids and for Down syndrome, because these kids are so worthy and so amazing. And just to get to know one of them, any of them, is to know happiness, genuine happiness and genuine love and just genuine people. And just, I advocate for these kids to these doctors too, and just show like, these kids are just as worthy as any other kid with the regular amount of chromosomes. So, yeah. Oh, look, Malachi is so incredibly lucky to have a mum like you, and I can't even begin to imagine what that would have been like when the the doctor said that those, yeah, yeah, it's hard to comprehend how that must have felt. Now, you've got some um, very happy news recently, haven't you? Yes, yes. So very recently, um, we found out we were expecting again. So we are very excited and the excitement has finally kicked in. The nervousness has kicked out a little bit. So yeah, come March, we will have another little girl to the family. So going to be on that three under three train for a little while, but Lily, our oldest is so mature and so helpful and so excited for a baby sister. She was going to be so mad if it was a baby brother because she already has one of those. (laughs) oh that's that's just so so wonderful and you just you touched on it briefly how have you coped emotionally since malachi was born you know because i imagine it's you as you say you went through the diagnosis and all that how what's your way of sort of getting through the days when some days would be really hard i'd imagine yeah yeah i would say that first that first year and a half for us was really tough. Like appointment after appointment, surgery after surgery. I feel like we never really got a break. A lot of unexpected things, a lot of unexpected extra diagnosis, the heart surgery, the throat surgery, the feeding tube, the glasses, the hearing aid, a lot of things that we didn't know of at birth, which was what's harder to process and keep processing when you keep getting these hits and blows. But for, for me personally, I really lean on God and um, his promises and our church family. Um, We are very involved with our, our church and we have a great small group and community. And then the other thing that I've really plugged into here locally is just the special needs community, not just Down syndrome, um, but any special need. They've been a wealth of resource on those days where I'm like, I need a good doctor for this. I can't find one. I need a good therapist for this. I can't find one. Please help. Or I need a night out. Who wants to go out to dinner? 
and they get it. That's the important thing. Like on top of everything, they get it. They've been in my shoes. So I have some amazing friends whose kids are around the same age, but sometimes they just don't get it when I have to cancel play date because of an appointment or a kid's sick and the special needs community really gets it. So I find that I lean on them. I lean on God. And then my family, um, we moved back to Florida, my husband and I with our daughter and Jacksonville is where I grew up. My parents live here. My siblings live here. My nieces live here. And this is just home. Honestly, I don't know what we would have done living without them in Virginia with all of this, especially because of COVID. We can't bring my daughter. I go alone to all appointments and therapies. What would I have done with our daughter if I was alone? So we really have a tight family. We actually ended up buying a new home where we were renting when we moved here and we bought a home the beginning of last year. And we ended up moving less than two miles away from my parents, which at first I was a little leery about. Um, but it's been a blessing because they're right around the corner when I need something and having a kid with special needs, you might need something at midnight you might need to go to the hospital at midnight and you need someone to watch your other child. So my family, my faith and the special needs parents locally is really what I lean on. Oh, that's wonderful. Look, it's, it's been fantastic to hear your story and Malachi's story and, for you to be so open and honest and, you know, so positive as well. I think that's one of the great messages that has come through on this podcast. So I can't thank you enough, Cassandra. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, I love sharing our story and our message. And just if we can, if we can help one more person, that's what it's about. Yeah, well, I'm sure you'll have people that would love to contact you and, um, they will I'll be able to contact you through me. And when we're in the when I post it in the Facebook group, you know, I'll tag you in so people can t- contact you directly. It's it it really will be, as you say, a blessing for so many people to to talk to someone who gets it is incredibly important in our community, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, when you see Malachi in the morning, give him a big high five for me. Tell him he's got a IA brother all the way down in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Cassandra. It's, it's been wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Bye.